Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria and Happy New Year. I'm Erin Ryan. Happy New Year. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, have you ever ghosted a job? Pulled a Lloyd Austin, if you will? I, as a matter of fact, Erin, when I was just a wee young lady here in the great Big Apple, uh, I accepted a job at Merrill Lynch. This is a weird thing you and I have in common. Yeah, we both worked at Merrill Lynch. Not, We didn't know each other. No, we didn't know each other, which is a tragedy because imagine what we could have done at Merrill Lynch together. But I I, uh, I accepted the job, and I'm a pretty thorough person, Erin. I thought my job was going to be a, a junior analyst. It turned out uh, when I showed up for my first day of work that I was the secretary in rubber, which okay. is the analyst group that just oversaw rubber. Sure. And af- after three days... Of sitting in some weird Mad Men type situation with me and just a bunch of other 22-year-old women in a row. I left a voicemail for my boss that was like, I really appreciate the opportunity, but I'm not coming back. Yeah. Well, I mean, rubber ended up being okay. So I'm glad. They survived without me. (laughs) Um, I ghosted two jobs. One of them was at the Express at uh, University Park Mall in Mishawaka, Indiana. I just hated it. And I was Mishawaka. Humvees are made in Mishawaka, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Humvees. And I, it's basically the place where everyone who goes to Notre Dame or St. Mary's or Holy Cross goes to eat uh, crappy restaurant food. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, worked at, I worked at the mall there and I just really hated it. I was spending all my money on the clothes at Express. And it was just like, this is this is useless. Uh, so I just stopped showing up and then they, they kept calling me. And then also I had a job also in Mishawaka at the Olive Garden and I stopped what? going. Yeah, I stopped what? going. It was horrible. I had like, I made a lot of money one summer and then that fall when football weekends would start, it was like all alumni coming in town for games. And like, I would have to like book it from the, the game straight to work with my dumb tie. And it was just like horrible was horrible. So I just stopped showing up. I don't feel like you missed out on the breadsticks. 
No, it's they're kind of gross. I'll tell you more offline, but okay. They're there's there I don't need adult garden. <laughs> Fun episode, Alyssa. I feel like I learned a lot. A lot of things that have been building up over the holiday that are sort of resolving themselves into 2024 and new problems that are also forming that may never get resolved. We're going to talk a little bit about Trump's legal woes as they're unfolding. We're also we're also talking about the way that the media covers scandals, quote unquote, with black women versus uh, scandals, quote unquote, that involve the wives of billionaires and all of the I believe you describe it as cardio that billionaires do to defend the actions that their own family members engage in uh, when they find them uh, something that is worthy of firing when other people, certain black people do them. We also talked to Alyssa. I loved our interview this week. We talked to Florida Representative Anna Eskimani, who is on the front lines of the fight for abortion access in Florida. Florida is trying to get a measure on its ballot a la Ohio, uh, that would enshrine abortion rights into the state constitution. And then we talk a little bit about some of the stories we missed over the break. We talk about some bad judicial behavior from the Fifth Circuit. Exhausting. We talk a little bit about some stupid bullshit and debate whether or not it matters. And then we get to talk about Sani Petty. Planes falling out of the sky, or parts of planes falling out of the sky. (laughs) Stick around. All of it is coming up. All right, this is Hysteria, the podcast for people who don't need to plagiarize Wikipedia in order to define weaving. Yikes. That's kind of a deep cut from the news this week, but it was like the funniest detail in any of the stories. We enjoyed these stories a lot. It's, you know, we're going to do a little bit of an extra large news segment this week because things happened when we were on our break that it would be cool if we didn't have to talk about them or think about them anymore, but the things that happened have long-term implications, and so we got to talk about them. So we're going to talk about some um, kind of fun stuff first. Not fun. I guess media criticism. Media criticism. So, like, it's fun It's fun to use your brain, I guess. I don't know. Okay. So the weaving Wikipedia thing is a reference to Neri Oxman, an academic and celebrity former MIT professor who was busted this past week for plagiarizing sections of her dissertation from Wikipedia. Of all places. Why do we care? Okay, why do we care? I guess if you were in academia and you don't plagiarize, that is a super annoying thing for a celebrity MIT professor to have done on her dissertation. You know, I I get that. But uh, the reason that we care and the reason that it's news is because her husband, billionaire crybaby Bill Ackman, (laughs) was one of the voices and Harvard donors leading the charge to get Harvard President Claudine Gay fired over charges of plagiarism. Plagiarism. (laughs) Yeah, so— Weaving. Weaving is defined as a land of contrast. No. We'll Can get... you imagine? <laughs> Some people should not have access to the internet. I just think that's so lazy. And the original Business Insider piece on Oxman's incidences of, uh, or instances of plagiarism um, has some really funny cutting quotes from other academics who are like, well, if she understood, da, 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 then she would be able to come up with her own sentence. It's so funny and bitchy in the nerdy way that only academics can be. Uh, we're, we'll get more into Bill Ackman girl bossing too close to the sun later. Um, but we got to get into a story that is uh, a little bit less like, ha, 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 hypocrisy and a little bit more like possible. Evil villain. Yeah, evil villain stuff. So, Alyssa, take it away. 
Okay. So, Aaron, when you and I saw this story start to percolate, it felt sus. Um, so we're here to talk about why going into the Trump trials and the heat of election season, it's time to, as my old boss Dennis McDonough would say, measure twice, cut once when reading the news. So when we see stories like this one, we have to remain a little skeptical until there's actual proof uh, presented, which in this case, there doesn't seem to be. At not yet. Not yet. Not That's yet. Um, not yet. We're saying not yet. Uh, the reporting we're reading and that we're about to talk about is based solely on the claims of one person. There is no investigative journalism currently backing up the following story. So really something special. Uh, a lawyer for one of the defendants charged along with former President Donald Trump in the Georgia election interference case said in a court filing on Monday that the district attorney overseeing the case, Fonnie T. Willis, had engaged in a clandestine, which Aaron, you know when he said it was like clandestine. Oh, no, I thought I thought you would just say that they really were being heavy on the clan part of the, it. Also that, too. Um that Fannie had engaged in a clandestine relationship with the special prosecutor she hired to help handle it. They're accusing Willis of throwing $650,000 of business to a dude she allegedly had a relationship with. Now, it's funny how specific some of the claims are for when the Trump lawyer who filed them provided no proof of the relationship and no proof supporting his other claims. They claim that not, not only she threw him business, but then as a couple, they took Caribbean vacations with the money, again, with nothing backing up their claims. But it doesn't matter, Aaron, because this story has been all over cable news. The assertion has been made, and now they got to prove that it's not true. Yeah, it's part of the public record now. It yep. is It is a court filing. Um, okay, so we're waiting on an actual reputable news organization to report mm -hmm. out the allegations in this. And, and I think that this is a really great example of a story that is uh, that should be approached with a hearty dose of side-eye and criticism mm -hmm. and awareness of the various isms that could be going into why the story is a thing in the first place. It does uh, smell a little bit like the beginnings of what is known as a rat fuck. Yep. Which is where a negative story that contains small kernels of truth, but an overblown negative story based on tiny kernels of truth is released into the public. Um, and then by the time that that story is corrected to what it really is, the public has already gotten the impression that the original story is true. So, like, yeah. a really good example of what that media strategy is, that kind of Carl Rove, everybody's, mm. everybody knows who that fucker is. Carl Rove kind of pioneered this tactic, and it's very dirty. Um, what happened to California Representative Katie Hill? Um, when stories initially came out that led to her resignation from Congress, they really overblew what actually happened. By the time the facts came out, it was a lesser version of the original story, the original allegation. But by that point, her image was didn't already matter. damaged. It didn't really matter. And, and she needed to resign from Congress, which I'm still kind of mad about, if I'm going to be yeah, honest. Totally. I'm still kind of mad about it. So... We just have to be wary of the fact that it does seem that every time a black woman is involved with a prosecution or opposition to Donald Trump, there's some sort of racist or sexist story that comes out or a story that, that is at least motivated partly by racism or sexism or a story that relies on racism and sexism in the public to get yep. legs. 
And uh, this is what this looks like to me. Again, we're waiting on more reporting to back it up. I'm not one of those people who just blanket disbelieves everything, but I am no. skeptical. But we do we do want to see something other than the guy defending Trump's partner in crime said so. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's, and, and which is where we're at right now. And if you are nervous, there was a story on the Daily Beast earlier this week about how this doesn't actually threaten the case in Georgia. If the allegations are true, I would encourage our listeners to check that out if you feel like you need to be talked down. Um, But we're going to move on to Harvard ousting its President Claudine Gay and the sort of isms that fueled that story. Um, So not unlike the Fonnie Willis situation, which sounds fishy and should be looked at critically, um, there was some drama at Harvard over the holidays. Um, Alyssa, I'm just going to ask this question. Is Harvard the most annoying, Ivy? Without question. It is absolutely so much more annoying than every Ivy. It's like, oh my God, they all need to go into therapy or something. First of all, first of all, Yale would never. Ever. I mean... Yale's Come annoying on. too. Yale's annoying too, but Yale would never. It's like Harvard. Give me them bulldogs. <laughs> Come on. Calm down. Um, President Claudine Gay of Harvard resigned after speaking in a congressional hearing on anti-Semitism on campus and subsequently getting attacked by conservatives like the aforementioned Bill Ackman for uh, allegedly plagiarizing when she was a student. So plagiarism, bad. Right? Bad. It's like the only rule in academia, isn't it? It's like, just don't do this. Don't plagiarize. I know. People even like look the other way for like really egregious examples of like, you know, sexism and favoritism and and politics playing and stuff. And yeah. Also, wait, just unrelated but related. Claudine Gay, also a great example of. Never use the Harvard lawyers and get your own crisis comms team when you're going before Congress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, she didn't do great in front of Congress, and and that seems to have fueled anger from the right wing. And uh, after a, I would say, right-leaning but reputable publication, the Washington Examiner, mm-hmm. uncovered a bunch of instances of her plagiarizing. Again, her plagiarism was like, no quotation marks Right. But the sources— Still not good. Yeah. Still supposed to know better. Right. But like, the, sor- the sources were were cited in notes. Like, it wasn't as though—but she should have, like, been more careful. That's literally right. something you learn. You learn how to do that in, like, middle school when you're write- first writing book reports. Um, so it did turn out after she stepped down from her position at Harvard that it was completely a— conservative movement. It was a it was an effort by a group of people led by Christopher Rufo, who is a sort of conservative gadfly who has been leading the charge on getting like people like Claudine Gay kicked out of their mm-hmm. jobs. Um, mm-hmm. Christopher Rufo is really not saying the quiet part quiet at all. He's just no. saying the whole thing loud. He has said that his—he um, was asked in an interview, how much credit do you think you deserve for Gay's resignation? And he said, I've heard that it never hurts to take the credit because sometimes people don't give it to you. Dude, that is a thing that women should be telling each other. Not Men do not, not need to not be taking him. more credit. He's fine. You are not the intended audience for the advice. You need to take more credit because people don't give it to you. Lean out, Christopher. All the Lean way. Lean out. Okay. 
And then the quote goes on, but this was uh, but this was really a team effort that involved three primary points of leverage. First was the narrative leverage. This was done primarily by me, Christopher Brunet and Aaron Siberium. Second was the financial leverage, which was led by Bill Ackman and other Harvard donors. And finally, there was the political leverage, which was really led by Congresswoman Elise Stefanik's masterful performance with Claudine Gay at her hearings. When you put those three elements together, narrative, financial, and political pressure, and you squeeze hard enough, you see the results that we got today, which was the resignation of America's most powerful academic leader, I think that this result speaks for itself. Uh, Later in that interview, Christopher Rufo said, my primary objective is to eliminate DEI bureaucracy in every institution. Oh, okay. It's about— Here we go. Okay. That's—there we go. That's that's what's called the nut graph. Um, In every institution in America and to restore truth rather than racialist ideology as the guiding principle of America. It was absolutely not fueled by racial animus. Okay, yes, you just said that it, you just said it was. What? It had nothing to do with her race or sex and everything to do with her merit, her competence, and her failure to lead. Something tells me that if Larry Summers had been president of Harvard and he had said the exact same things that Claudine Gay said at that hearing— and had plagiarized the exact same amount of things, he would not have been chased with such such gusto. Well, and here's what is so really lame about everything that happened at Harvard. One, Claudine Gay had only been president for six months, and she had survived the hearing. I mean, largely the corporation was behind her. And so they were like, wait, we're not done. Mm -hmm. Let's get this plagiarism thing. I mean, it's like, it's just so basic. Yeah. Well, here's another funny detail about Christopher Rufo. Christopher Rufo claims he has a degree from Harvard, but he actually doesn't. He Oh, so he's plagiarizing his degrees? No, no, no. He's fabricating. He's not fabricating. He's fudging. Right. Fudging Fudging. is what they call this. He went to Harvard Extension School, so he is as much a Harvard graduate. Oh, stop yourself. Yeah. He's as much a Harvard graduate as Tyra Banks is. Remember how Tyra Banks would say that she was a Harvard graduate on America's Next Top Model, and people were like, you went to the Extension Program. I'm, uh, Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's just like a funny little button on this. Now, let's go back to Bill Ackman. So Bill because Ackman— this is, the, this is the best part. This, this is the part. This is the part where it's like, oh, now we know what this is all about. Even though Christopher Rufo said what it was all about, now we know what it was all about. And also when people do the exact same things as Claudine Gay, if they are not a black woman who is on—who has angered people on one side of the Israel war in Gaza— um, then it doesn't count. Okay, so Bill Ackman's wife is sort of a celebrity professor. I think for whatever reason, wasn't she like running around with Brad Pitt a few years Something ago? Something like that. She Anyway, she was a professor at MIT, and Business Insider discovered that she had plagiarized several passages in her dissertation, some of which were from <laughs> Wikipedia. And the plagiarism— Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia. The plagiarism that and they and they did, you know, they know that it was from Wikipedia because they they looked at the archival um because Wikipedia can be edited constantly. They went back and they looked up what was archivally posted on Wikipedia at the time that she had written her dissertation and it matched the words that she used in her dissertation. So you can look up edit history and stuff like that, and that's what they did, and they found that she had lifted from Wikipedia at the time. Um Unlike gay, Oxman's plagiarism was a little bit closer to the definition of plagiarism that most people think of, which is lifting words and not giving credit to their author at all. 
So no stealing co- ideas. Stealing ideas. So yeah, no quotation okay. marks, no citation. Just like words taken that were not hers and put in her paper, and Pat tried attempting to be passed off as hers. Um, so yeah, uh, when, when that story came out, rather than being chastened as he should have been, Bill Ackman doubled down. Um, made some wild accusations at people who thought that Oxman's uh, offenses were comparable to gays. They absolutely were, and they were worse. And um, made this, I think Ackman also accused people of being anti-Semitic if they thought that his wife was doing plagiarism. And he said his wife it's was— like- you got to stop. You st- like like people like that. It's like, oh, my God, you're hurting so many different causes when you say something so ignorant and untrue. It's like shocking in that in this moment that he would like I, I was just so disgusting. It's just like, Bill, shut up. <laughs> shut, just shut just up. Stifle Homer Simpson back into the bushes. You have been got. And yes, his wife is absolutely fair game. She is an academic who is like, who is close to somebody who led the charge to get another academic ousted for plagiarism? Um, yeah, I mean, she had Aaron. It was something like twenty eight instances. Of yeah, it. and and Claudine Gay, I think there was like forty instances. Um, right. You know, I mean, was, neither good. Should but have, like, there should be zero. Should be zero instances should be zero. of plagiarism. Um, I, I I was also kind of confused, like how widespread is plagiarism in academia? Like, it feels widespread. <laughs> I feel like the people that I know that work in academia take it very seriously and would never do anything that they thought could endanger Listen. their jobs. And, and like, I remember being in college and they were like, we've got a plagiarism machine. We'll be able to tell if you Aaron, copy things. Like, as a junior who was always stoned at the University of Wisconsin, I knew how to fucking cite my sources because you know what I did? That's why I'm saying some people don't deserve the internet. I had to use a pen and paper and write them down as I went. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Got to. <laughs> but also now this is this is the thing. He is this is like this is such an example of people who just have too much fucking money and may I add time on their hands because now he's going after everyone at MIT. <laughs> he's going to prove that all the people at MIT plagiarized. Therefore, it's not a big deal. However, then how retroactively does that work for Claudine Gay? Because if what he's saying is, you know, but everybody does it, it. happens. <laughs> oh God, that was such a gross. That is cardio. Like, what he is doing is cardio. Like <laughs> that, it is, is so much activity. <laughs> he really, it's really doing some cardio. And also, like the other people at MIT had nothing to do with the Business Insider story. Being like, why? Right. Why not just like run all of Business Insider through a plagiarism machine? I'm gonna bet he's not gonna find very much because I think Business Insider is a reputable publication where people right. don't plagiarize. Um, but yeah, it was. It's it's pretty. It's it's pretty wild. Um, but Bill Ackman has taken to Twitter and he's had, he's he's written so many words. But can I tell you something too? Can you imagine like just anyone whose first thought is like, I'm gonna take to Twitter in this day and age? It's like. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Twitter has really become a place where men who have been driven mad by failure and rejection go to, to get zero likes to to validate their self-delusion. Like, yeah. instead of facing reality and being like, everybody seems to be mad at me and nobody likes me, they're like, no, I'm going to engage with this alternate reality that tells me that I'm doing everything great and I don't need to change anything. I'm a trendsetter. Everyone wants the si- <laughs> everybody wants the cyber truck. People want to watch my dumb basement Tucker Carlson show. Like, it's all just 
th- this little angry hive of of men who are reinforcing each other's worst qualities that are further and further from what regular human people in the meat space think. But, you know, whatever. Nobody. So there to, we are. There we Bill Ackman. Now, now you are all, you know, poisoned with knowledge of Bill Ackman. Too. I mean, I will say that he moved up several spots on the people to eat first list after we start eating the rich. Also, he's, he gets several weasels. He's such a fucking weasel. He's like very almost five out of five on the weasel scale. Billionaires shouldn't exist, and he's such a great example of just like, he's such a whiny little bitch. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, we have to talk about, speaking of whiny little bitches, Donald Trump has been in court this week. Let's briefly oh, talk about what he's— Exhausting. No, this is so quick. Everyone just needs to understand. Everything—don't you, Aaron, just feel like everything you're watching— on television or reading in the news is just like something masquerading as something else. Like I actually listened to most of this, uh, most of this hearing yesterday. So federal appeals panel expressed deep skepticism on Tuesday toward Donald Trump's argument that he can't be prosecuted for trying to overturn the 2020 election, raising the potentially extreme implications of absolute presidential immunity. So, okay. That is, that's cra- that, that court, that 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 sound that you can access is insane. Like it is some of the craziest sound I've ever heard from a courtroom. It's and it's crazy. And it's not just because Donald Trump's lawyer, his voice sounds like glass in a blender with a robot talking through it. Investigation is what it, there's no meaning to. Well, uh, uh, that may be true of subordinate officers, but as to the principal officer, the president, he is immune unless he is impeached and convicted. He, Again, it comes back to the point we Or RFK Jr. I genuinely got confused when I was listening. I was like, wait, is he being represented by RFK Jr.? Like, I heard they were suddenly friends, but like, These is this what These people have been, have been like gargling colloidal silver or something that they learned about on like a fringe podcast about not getting vaccinated. Like, it's... Great. What is up with that? I'm sorry. It's a cheap shot to make fun of the guy's voice, but he seems no, like but, a bad no, person. But, but we're only hearing the audio, and the audio is also a bit grainy. So, like, yeah, it sounds like it's when, all painting the picture of the chaos yeah, that's happening. It sounds in like front a, of this. No, a Nokia phone that's too close to a microwave, and you're trying to listen to someone talk, and they sound like scary. Anyway, yes. No, so here's why this whole thing is actually – because it all – it kind of, you know, you're like, well, should presidents – like, if you listen to the arguments and you're just like a normal person, which I am, I'm like, oh, this is very confusing. Here's why it's not confusing. They are trying to muddy the following. So, Aaron, typically – Typically, historically, former presidents enjoy broad immunity from lawsuits for actions taken as part of their official White House duties. Makes sense. But because no former, here's why this is an issue, and Trump's lawyers are trying to mess, are trying to confuse people with this, but because no former president before Trump has ever been indicted, this is the issue. No other president's been indicted. Trump has been indicted. So courts have never before addressed whether that protection extends to criminal prosecution. So that is the kernel around which all of this chaos is swirling. And I have to tell you, the judges, quite interesting. I mean, a colorful (laughs) group. One, One said, so let me get this right. As part of your argument... 
Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? Because that is an official act and order to SEAL Team 6. And the judge and and what people can't be bought in by is that Trump's attorneys and this, they are trying to trying to seem as if they're altruistic and that they're protecting all other presidents from being uh, sued, right? Uh From being brought up on charges. Nyet, 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 nyet. (laughs) No other president has been indicted. Right. And and that that is why this is all jiggery fucking pokery. But Donald Trump's lawyers were like, yes, he should be allowed to use SEAL Team 6 to assassinate somebody. That too. And (laughs) that was also disturbing. And the only way he could go to trial or be be in trouble is if he is impeached and convicted, which is nowhere written down. Literally no. nowhere that in order for somebody like they are trying to establish a legal precedent that being elected president is like getting designated a, ma- a make a wish kid. No, you are yeah. like a make a wish kid who can do whatever crimes. You are a one person purge. So next time we elect a president, we got to elect the person that we're like, will, does this person seem inclined to send a firing squad to the Supreme Court or no? Because they're not going to get in trouble. Like, theoretically, a president could kidnap the wives and children of every member of the Senate and hold them hostage and say, I'm holding them hostage until my term is up, and then I'm going to kill all my political rivals and the Senate can't do anything where I'm going to assassinate their families. And that is— because, and then the the Senate wouldn't impeach them. So then when he gets out of office, I mean, I feel like I'm writing legal strategy. Uh, strategy no, what you're writing, Trump. what you're writing is the pilot episode to a show I couldn't watch because it would give me nightmares. I mean, it's a pilot episode to current day in Ecuador. <laughs> like it is literally. <laughs> I mean, Yikes. seriously, it's it's. Not to make not not to make light of it, I think that no, they, ca- they, ca- they captured the, the ca- they captured the people that were spearheading the chaos. But that is literally the argument that Donald Trump's legal team is making, right? And so here's where we find ourselves: Judge Tanya Chutkin rejected this immunity claim last month. The Supreme Court was like, "We want no part of this," and declined to get involved. However, they appealed it to this uh, panel of judges. Now it is possible if who, whatever the decision is, could likely ultimately still get appealed up to the Supreme Court. So this is some high-stakes hot potato here, Aaron. Oh, my God. Yep. Also, another thing that, that I didn't hear them bring up <clears throat> in, in regard to this courtroom, wild courtroom appearance on Tuesday, is like, okay, so impeachment is supposed to cover high crimes and misdemeanors, which is why the alleged, like, forthcoming impeachment of Joe Biden is ridiculous because he hasn't done any high crimes or misdemeanors. And the alleged, uh, the impeachment that never was, like a fart in the wind of Judge Janet Protosiewicz in Wisconsin, also came and went because legal Mm. experts who were very conservative were like, she hasn't done any crimes. Like, yeah. Anyway. No crimes present. Yes, exactly. And Secretary Mayorkas, like, it's we're seeing. Oh God, that started today. Yeah, members of Congress really, really like going deep, deep, deep into their own puckered asses to pull out reasons to impeach Mayorkas, who has not, who has not done any high crimes or misdemeanors. So that's that's the standard for impeachment. All right? while, all while, by the way, 
still not clear the government's not going to shut down in a couple right. of weeks. Right. Doing literally <laughs> Get nothing. Get a job. Do your job. No, you God. have one job. Our, Keep the government open. Get out of this. Federal officials are essentially running their own Twitter shows on the taxpayer yes. dime. They have like Fox yes. News contracts that are paid for by the taxpayers. It is fucking ridiculous. They're not doing anything to help anybody. But, okay, high crimes and misdemeanors. Yeah. High crimes and misdemeanors. Okay, so then that means that the president can... can that, okay, so if he doesn't get impeached, he can't be... He can't be prosecuted criminally outside of the presidency if he is not impeached and convicted, according to this argument. Following right. it, impeachment is for high crimes and misdemeanors. Can the president just com- can he just do a bunch of like low level illegal yes, things? Yes, that's what they're saying. That's just forever, that's- and he'll never ever get in trouble because there's no mechanism for him. Can he like do like a sub Best. felony? <laughs> can he just like battery assault and battery, but like like non non aggravated or like can he do hit and runs with his car, like parked I mean, cars Trump with no injuries? Has said he has said he could have you know shot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and no one would come for him. They're trying to prove that true. Well, I guess if a lawyer argued that the discharge of the gun was accidental and the crime wasn't a high crime, then he's then he totally gets out of jail for it. It's so stupid. I'm so tired of these Airbud lawyers. <laughs> There's it's, no rule that says a president can't. <laughs> so stupid. Okay. Uh, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we have an interview with a representative from the great state of Florida here to talk about how Florida could actually codify abortion rights in 2024. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. 
And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is like I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah, but um my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um family on a on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who hope that somewhere in Florida, there's a fabulous drag queen that goes by Rhonda Santis. 
<laughs> and if there isn't, free drag name. Just give Hysteria a shout out. Free drag name. Future Rhonda Santis. All right. Alyssa, super excited to talk about this yes, topic today. It is a optimistic, silver lining, happy, forward-looking topic. You may remember abortion ballot measures from such states as Ohio and Kansas. Well, looks like the Sunshine State is next. Our guest today is here to talk about Florida's initiative to get abortion on the ballot in November 2024. She's a member of the Florida House of Representatives, and she's been dedicated to the legislative battle for reproductive rights since joining the State House in 2018. Anna Eskamani, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. We are so glad you're here. So talk to us about the abortion ballot initiative. How did things get started? Where do they stand now? And what happens next? Well, it's absolutely historic. And I think a lot of the news that comes out of Florida is pretty depressing. And so this is um, a contrast. This has been so inspirational across our state. And we're really excited about this. The national attention is beginning to get. So back in May of 2023, Floridians Protecting Freedom Forum. This is a nonpartisan coalition of organizations, large and small, that came together to start raising the resources to bring this initiative forward. And in fact, in the period of, of just six to seven months, we actually succeeded in collecting more than 910,000 verified signatures to get abortion on the ballot here in Florida in November of 2024, this year. And I also think it's important to note that more than 150,000 people that signed on are registered Republicans. Now, I will say one of the challenges, well, few of the challenges we have in the Sunshine State is this process, of course, has been made more difficult by the legislature. So not only do we need 60% to pass, so it's more than Ohio was required, uh, we also need to get through a Supreme Court review. And those oral arguments have been set for February 7th. And um, the legal team with the initiative has been uh, preparing for months now. We actually have not just OBGYNs who signed on to support the language of this initiative, but also even former Republican lawmakers, other stakeholders who agree the language is clear. And we're up against essentially Attorney General Ashley Moody, who's trying to challenge the ballot amendment itself. So that's the next forefront of this work we have is getting to the state Supreme Court. But in the meantime, we're also hitting the ground running, campaigning to get to that 60 percent threshold. Mm -hmm. And what on what grounds would the Supreme Court have or the attorney general have to oppose this ballot measure? So Ashley Moody, the attorney general, is challenging the definition of viability. And I, I really do think it's a it's a bullshit uh, uh, attempt by Ashley Moody. It's one that she's desperately trying to find anything to challenge this language. And I say that because Florida actually was a viability restrictive state prior to the 15-week ban and now soon six-week ban we have in our state. And most providers will define viability anywhere from 22 to 24 weeks of gestational period. So we have that definition. Doctors agree it is not a vague word. It is very clearly defined in the history of Florida and across the country. But that's essentially what she's attempting to do. She's trying to say that the language is misleading, that it's not clear enough for voters. And of course, we offer a decade of history to counter that. But that is the battle we have before us at the state Supreme Court. Interesting. Is she a doctor? Dr. Ashley Moody? Hmm. It's a great question. No, I, I don't think there's a, an MD by her name. Okay. No. Okay. Just just, just getting that on, uh, on the record. <laughs> okay. So, Anna, outside of this initiative, how is the fight for bodily autonomy going in your state? How have things been since Roe v. Wade was overturned for people who need care, but then also for medical providers? 
So I, I want to let folks know that before I ran for office, I actually worked at Planned Parenthood. So I have a long history in in this in this movement. And in fact, I was a Planned Parenthood patient um, um, when I was in college, and then I became a volunteer and then a staffer. And I worked at Planned Parenthood for six years before I ran for office back in 2018. And it it, it forever has held a really special place in my heart. But also as someone of reproductive age, it's also a ne- of necessity. I need to have this right, and I need to have it for the next generation uh, to come. So when you look at the state of Florida post-Roe, much like states across America, it has been devastating. One of the one of the contrasts we have in Florida is, is enumerated right to privacy in our state constitution mm. that was passed by the voters back in 1980, if mm. you can believe it. And the state Supreme Court in 1989 said that right to privacy um, does apply to abortion. So compared to our states in the South, Florida has actually been an outlier in protecting abortion rights for some time. Unfortunately, that is shifting because of the fall of Roe. Our state Supreme Court is likely to uh, reinterpret that right to privacy, and that is the court decision we're waiting for right now. Um, it is doomsday in Florida every Thursday at 11 a.m. because that is when we typically see decisions come out of our court, and we're waiting for them to essentially say that the 15-week ban is constitutional because of this reinterpretation of right to privacy, which is going to then open up the floodgates for the six-week ban to go into effect. So not only have we seen a, a ban be implemented in Florida, but we've seen patients from across the South come to our state. Because even though we have a 15-week ban, it's not as as extreme as other states. So what happens in Florida is a ripple effect for women and abortion seekers everywhere, which is why I keep stressing to folks, please don't write off Florida. Don't forget about the South. And it's not just about us. It is about everyone around us who comes to seek care from our state. And that's why this ballot initiative is bigger than any one person, bigger than any one party, bigger than any one campaign. It really is transformational in securing abortion access for the South in this post-Roe era. Mm -hmm. Isn't it fascinating, though, that, I mean, this is, it's just, it's so wild to me. In 1980, they're like, you have a right to privacy. In 1989, they're like, and that means abortion. And now they're like, actually... (laughs) The regressive nature of all of it is it's, it's so shocking. It's, it's it really, really wild. And and I think that they're, you know, we're ha- we're seeing like national headlines out of Texas, which rightfully expose the cruelty of abortion bans as they play out in real life rather than just in people's ideas. Um, but I, I think that something that people haven't quite gotten yet is that providers are fleeing states with bans because they can't mm-hmm. practice their specialty without fear of prosecution. Um, Are people leaving Florida? Is there a shortage of OBGYNs and care providers in Florida, even for people who in their own minds would never have an abortion? Is it more difficult for them to access care? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you can't provide the care that you were trained to provide, why would you stay in that state? Mm -hmm. Right. And when there's a fear of prosecution, why would you stay in that state? I have many friends and colleagues who are providers or trained to be providers, and they've already left Florida. Mm-hmm. To that point, we have doctors who are forced to allow their patients to become more sick before they can provide them with the abortion. And these are for pregnancies that were planned. They have to go to the legal department first to seek permission. I mean, in what world should a group of lawyers at a hospital somewhere make these decisions for patients and their doctors? 
And so we are seeing a shortage. We are seeing um, individuals um, have to leave Florida to access care. Our abortion funds have been working overtime in meeting this demand. And by the way, it's not just the notion of providing abortion. We have huge, huge concerns in Florida on judicial bypass, which is the process for a uh, individual under the age of 18 to seek access to an abortion without parental consent. Florida most recently had a uh, an appellate court rule against a minor seeking bypass because her parents weren't there to to basically be the adversarial party in this in this let it, this uh, uh, judicial hearing, which is not supposed to be necessary. In fact, Florida statute says judicial bypass is non-adversarial. And I do suspect that this judge, a DeSantis judge, is trying to create a USA Supreme Court case to override the option of judicial bypass in America. So there are so many fights before us, whether it is with medication abortion, whether it's with judicial bypass, whether it's with um, um, exceptions and so forth. So I, I've been really telling folks, like 2024, we need your focus on this. And we need you to look at Florida as, as a beacon of hope versus just a, the Florida man stories. Like we have so much <laughs> going on in this state that we need folks to stay connected and help us with. Yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta cut down on the cameras in the courtrooms if you want to get rid of the Florida, <laughs> Florida man stories. Um, yeah, I read some analysis oh. once. So it's like Florida people aren't crazier than normal people. There's just more cameras there. And that that is that that tracks. Um, it does oh, track. Yeah. It's, that tracks. So not not to not to harp on Florida, but according to Pen America, nearly 700 books have been banned from public libraries in Orange County, Florida, including Ann Patchett's Bel Canto, Blade Runner by Philip K. Dick, books by Margaret Atwood, Maya Angelou, Jody Pico. Raymond Chandler and Louise Erdick, among many, many others. So how does this hit you as someone who attended Orange County Public Schools as a kid? Oh, my gosh, Erin, it's, it's a punch in the gut. And it's so scary for the next generation of young leaders. You know, I think about my time in Orange County Public Schools where we had required reading of, of Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston because Eatonville's in Orange County and learning about her story and of course the first established African American town was a big deal for us as 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 high school students and now that's also one of the books being restricted and so it is it is disgusting it's offensive it's dangerous and i make this point everywhere i go every culture war really is a class war and the reason why i say that is is when you demonize public education and you erode the impact of public education, you are furthering the gap between the haves and have-nots. Individuals that can go to private schools who can read this literature and become critical thinkers are going to be fine and are going to be successful in life. The rest of us who can't afford that, who public school really is our, our only and primary option, are going to be given not just a subpar educational experience, but one that is inundated with state propaganda. And in fact, a litigation challenging these different restrictions on literature, the state's response has been that educational spaces are not meant for free speech. They are meant for state speech. Mm. So the Department of Education and the Attorney General have already admitted what their intentions are. And it is unsettling and, of course, has an effect across the country because if that argument wins in Florida, it will win in other places. So we are pushing back aggressively. We have amazing on-the-ground grassroots organizations that we work with, um, including, you know, of course, uh, providing access to these these books by f- for free in different means and avenues. But it's incredibly alarming and it, and it, and it, it it's so... It's just so scary, especially for those of us that 
know the impact of strong public education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, something interesting about the book bans is they've kind of reminded me of a lot of really, really great books where I'm like, oh, yeah, Bill yeah. Canto. Erin, same yes. thing. When you sent that list, I was like, huh, oh, I yeah. should put some of these back out. Oh, yeah. Blade Runner. That's, oh, Philip K. Dick. What a great writer. Margaret Atwood. I, I haven't read an Atwood book in a long time. Totally. I've, totally. I also saw last week on TikTok, uh, Ann Patchett made a video where she was pretty mad about a couple of her books being banned. I just wanted to, just pitching an idea, maybe you guys can connect and, and team up. Oh, I would love that. Okay, I'm taking notes. Okay. Another, another okay, one of my favorite good. authors from Orlando is John Green, and he wrote Looking for Alaska and, there, and uh, The Fault in Our Stars, mm-hmm. and, and some of his books have also been restricted and banned. And so, I mean, that's the irony, too, is you're literally demonizing, like, not only some of the best authors in the world, but Florida-based authors as well. Right. And you should be embracing, you know, local writers, not not push them away. So it, it, I want kids to know how to read. And I and I think if that means reading literature, like Captain Underpants gets them excited, <laughs> I'm all for it. I am all <laughs> for it. So we, we have our priorities completely in a disarray uh, on these issues. So, Anna, how can people outside of Florida, our listeners, how can we help you guys in the fight for reproductive rights and against overall fuckery, as you have outlined <laughs> in terrifying detail today? It's so much worse than we even knew coming into this. Well, let me tell you, I'm actually joining you from the state capitol. And on day one in the legislature, my colleagues pushed forward an Article 5 convention request, which is part of a far-right agenda to completely rewrite the U.S. Constitution. So we're off to a rocky start here in the Florida legislature, which is why, yeah, tell me about it, which is why we need everyday people to help amplify the work happening in Florida. Donate to the campaign, FloridiansProtectingFreedom.com. You can donate. And of course, there will be virtual volunteer opportunities. So you can volunteer from anywhere in the country. Um, We also need you to follow what's happening in all of our state legislatures. So obviously, keep a track of Florida, but I really want to encourage folks to pay attention to their state legislatures. So much attention goes to national issues, which is important, of course, But please never overlook why state legislatures are a priority. Because in the day, not only do we impact your life more than anyone else, but the policies that come out of Florida will be replicated in other states. And we have to be able to push back and defend all of our freedoms, our communities, and the future of, of, of not just Florida, but this nation. Mm-hmm. And Anna, to your point, Republicans have been paying attention to local elections for a very long time, which is how we ended Absolutely. up in this mess. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have a special election um, in District 35 over in East Orange County uh, for the state house, And we're very hopeful to flip that seat. And and, and I'm doing everything I can, you know, to remind people that Florida is worth following. Florida is worth investing in. I know people usually just hear about Governor DeSantis, but we have lawmakers like myself, congressmen like Maxwell Alejandro Frost, really good things happening in the Sunshine State. So don't overlook us and and, and help us get to get to those wins. Mm hmm. All right. Final question. Um, it's it's a fun question on here, but is this fun? Is this fun? What are your thoughts on your governor's run for president? And yeah, how how tall is he actually? So it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that. He gave his state of the state address and we were all looking at those boots. We were all trying to clock those boots. I think it was about 
at least two inches, ladies, let me tell you. Okay. Okay. Um, so you've seen them in person and you are like, yes. my professional assessment as a person who has worn heels is that yes. these are lifts. Oh, 100%. Okay. Okay. 100%. Okay. And also he just has all the motifs of like a sad, tiny man trying to act <laughs> big and bad, right? Like he just fits all those, all those assumptions and, and uh, it is definitely not, the only thing fun about it is to watch him lose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have been making this point for years in Florida. Listen, this guy, he has he has media in the state that that either is is unable to challenge him for different reasons or is just like sucking up to him all the time. So so much of his strongman perception was manufactured. Mm-hmm. And then of course when you see him, you know, on a stage or interacting with with the public, uh he is flailing and mm-hmm. and and so I I I'm 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 trying to figure out what does that mean for us in the legislature, right? Because everyone has just bent over backwards to please this man in the Republican caucus. And we're seeing we're seeing some splintering with Republicans endorsing Trump over DeSantis. And so it it'll it'll hopefully his weakness, I hope, will soften what's coming out of the Florida legislature to some degree. But at the same time, if Trump is the alternative, we're still screwed mm-hmm. in the legislature. So we're going to fight regardless. But, you know, I, I do think that he's going to come home as a hurt dog. But a hurt dog can do two things, right? They can either whimper or they can bite and bark. So I, I don't think it's going to get any better for us in Florida. The rest of the country might not have to hear about him again, but we're stuck with him for another two to three years. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, So it sounds like in Florida, and I think this is a good lesson for any statewide official who suddenly rises to national prominence and everyone's like, oh, he's so popular in the state or she's so popular in the state. Um, a lot of times they're playing, their middle schoolers playing t-ball against kindergartners in their state. Mm, well said. And when they well go said. to the, fe- when they're at the federal level, they're playing against other kids their age for the first time and we have to see if they can actually play. Um, so well said. So that's that's Ron DeSantis learning that he doesn't get infinite strikes when he's swinging at the baseball. Okay. Absolutely. Representative Anna Eskamani, thank you so much for joining us. This was really informative. Good luck with the ballot initiative, and please keep us informed of what's going on in Florida. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. All right. And for more information on how you can help the fight in Florida and in other states across the U.S., visit vsa.com slash Bands for more. F-U-C-K-B-A-N-S. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, some more news. And welcome back. We've got some updates from over the break because unfortunately, even though we might have gotten a little bit of rest, bullshit never sleeps. So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the fight over abortion rights beyond the state of Florida. So over the break, I hate this story. I'm so, it's I'm awful. Just, I'm like psyching. It's, 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 it's criminal. Like, that's just how I feel. It's, it's fucking criminal. It's criminal, and it makes me feel crazy in the way that the Jeffrey Epstein <clears throat> story makes me feel crazy. Like, oh, story. these people do not think of women as human beings. And I'll go into my, like, ridiculous spiraling conspiracy theory at the end because I know that's why people listen to the show for my unhinged <laughs> ranting. Um, okay. Idaho and Texas are appealing to the Supreme Court over a federal guideline by the Biden administration that requires hospitals to provide medical care to pregnant women who go to the emergency room for emergency abortions. 
Um, so the federal law that they're dealing with is the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, known as EMTALA, which allows hospitals that use federal Medicare dollars and Medicaid dollars, a.k.a. most hospitals, to stabilize people in emergencies regardless of their ability to pay. Now, reproductive rights advocates say this should apply to abortions, but anti-abortion advocates, of course, don't agree uh, because they do not believe that women are people. Um, it's unclear what's going to happen as a result of the case, but over the break, the Fifth Circuit Court ruled that Texas law supersedes any federal guideline um, that requires hospitals to provide emergency abortion care. So that the standard that emergency rooms in Texas need to use is the standard set by Texas law, not the mm -hmm. standard set by federal guidelines, which seems like, n not okay? Like, doesn't the Constitution say, isn't there a supremacy clause Aaron, in the Constitution? There is a supremacy clause. It's a, it's like right up in the, it's like right up this toward the beginning. Is, so even if you gave up reading the Constitution after like six articles, you got to the supremacy clause where federal like law also, trumps are they state not taking, law. Are they not taking the Medicare dollars? <laughs> or Medicaid dollars. I think Medicaid. Any of it. I mean, give the money back. I don't think there are very many <laughs> Medicare patients going to the ER with emergency abortion needs. Fair, fair enough. You never, you never know. You know. <laughs> Yes, I do know this. I do know that the <laughs> there, are, there are probably Medicaid patients going to the going to the ER to needing abortions. Um, Idaho, after the Fifth Circuit, all like all three of the judges had had been appointed by uh, all three of the judges on the panel at the Fifth Circuit that that agreed with Texas that they did not need to comply with the federal guideline that hospitals provide emergency abortions in accordance to federal law. Anyway, the three of the judges on the Fifth Circuit that agreed with this argument were all appointees of Republican presidents. I believe there were two Trump appointees and a George W. Bush appointee mm -hmm. on the panel. Um, so the, this needs to be heard, I believe, by the, the full Fifth Circuit. But in the meantime, the Supreme Court did not put a stay on that ruling. And so for now, if you're a woman in Texas and you're pregnant and you go to the ER and you are in a state of crisis— but your crisis does not meet the standard that Texas state law sets for what qualifies as a life-saving abortion, they're just going to let you get sicker and sicker until you're about to die, and then they're going to try to save you. And Aaron, in what, where is there another example on this, in this, on this fucking planet, in this country, where you walk into an emergency room and they're like, mm, we're not going to help you? Like, like, this is so fucking crazy to me that they have carved out one exception and it is only for women who are pregnant. Yeah. And it says, we will not help you. Like that is, that is, or uh, we'll keep you here until we have decided you have reached such a point of decline that you'll die. But like, right. I don't even know in, in that example, Erin, does it like, can they do the abortion? Yeah, like, I mean, how documented does your near death have to be for the poor doctor to feel like he's not going to be sent to jail for this? Exactly. And something that I uh, this this country already has like an abysmal maternal mortality rate, like abysmal, embarrassing, horrifying, especially for black women. And um, a lot of maternal mortality happens in the context of people not being able to get the like pregnancy care that they need or the postpartum care that they need. And and laws like this endanger that and make it even worse. I was doing some napkin math this week, Alyssa. And oh, yes. Let's talk about it. I was looking. I, just this is, I need 
someone—I need to be stopped just in general, but I was doing some napkin math about maternal mortality because I just was curious about how it compared to, like, other dangerous jobs. And I'd heard the stat thrown around that um, to be pregnant—to have a baby is more dangerous than being a cop, just in terms—just statistically. If you are pregnant, you are more likely to die than you are if you were a police officer suiting up and going off to work. So Um, you're more likely to— Die. You're more likely to die if you're a pregnant Doing woman in America. something that's been happening since the beginning of time. Exactly. It's become highly fatal. And uh, then you are— It's always been highly fa- fatal. Around right. the world, I, around the world, the maternal morta- mortality rate is something like 230 per 100,000 births. It's egregious. In the crazy. U.S., in the U.S., it's, I think, now between 20 and 30 per 100,000 births. But the mortality rate for police officers on the job— in the most recent year that I could find, was mm-hmm. eight. Eight in every 100,000. So people who go fight crime with people who may be armed uh-huh. are less at risk than, than a woman in America who, is, who gets pregnant. Who, ha- who, who goes through childbirth. Goes through yep. childbirth. Yep. It's gross. and uh, But yeah, no, good. We should stop before every football game and, and honor the officers, the police officers, when women are actually the fucking warriors in this country, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's gross. And places like Texas and Idaho are making things worse, and they're fighting tooth and nail in the courts to preserve their right to decide when and how women should die, essentially. Basically. Um, my, wow. This is no, a fucking bummer. <laughs> it's, it's gross. Yeah, after the Fifth Circuit ruled— on the Texas law, Idaho scurried its little weird-shaped butt to the Supreme Court and asked for dispensation to enforce its similar abortion ban, and now it's doing that too. My tinfoil hat theory is these states don't want women living in them. They don't want women of reproductive age. Yet, they want more and more babies. <laughs> well, it's very—they're— they're, they're, no, but th- uh, but this, I mean, but this feeds into this sort of very dark theory that what they want is to force women to get pregnant, do nothing to help them to make motherhood an appealing economic choice or even a possible economic choice, force people to give birth into a situation where it's just not tenable, essentially force women to give their children up for, up adoption. for adoption. Who's yeah. going to adopt those kids? Well, fundamentalist families are going to adopt those kids, indoctrinate them into white Christian nationalism, and that's how we, you know, move into our glorious future. Yikes. That, see, again, Some, this is an unhinged rant. I'm, I'm, I, but I it's understand. Not, but here's the thing. It's not, it's not actually unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Like, it would be less scary if it— if it were unhinged, but there's actually like a very strong thread of logic that runs through the argument. Yeah, I mean, season two of this land is an incredible. Yeah, that's like a, it's a it's Iqua. Yeah, I, I think of it almost every day. It's about the adoption industry specifically as it interacts with Native American communities, and it's it's really if you haven't listened to it, you have to listen to it. It's it will incredible. It will live rent free in your head forever. Um, But yeah, I I think that these laws are just a cruel means to an end. On one hand, they believe that women should be punished like Eve in the Bible Mm -hmm. um, for existing. And the second thing is, I think that that their states are like, yeah, well, you know, if you might need reproductive care, you're probably going to vote for Democrats, so we don't want you living in our state anyway, (laughs) because women are 
much more likely to vote for Democrats than men. And the gap is only widening as the Republican Party gets more brutal and cruel toward people of reproductive, with reproductive capability. Um, And then the third one is they just want to, like, feed some babies into our unregulated billion-dollar adoption system. Yeah. It's gross. I'm sorry. I hate this story. I hate this story. No, it's like, but we got it. Look, it's like not every day do you get the chance to talk about what's happening in Idaho. And it's important that we talk about it, but it is (laughs) fucking bleak. Idaho should not be driving the boat. I'm sorry. Like, how much is Idaho contributing economically to this country overall? It should not be driving the ship like this. It shouldn't no. be. No. And it's it's really ridiculous that these that these states that have very small populations uh, where very specific interests are hugely overrepresented, but they still get equal rep- representation in the Senate, are able to completely drive the way that policy works in this country, especially as it pertains to women's bodies, to the female body, to the uterus, to reproduction. It's just like, it's it's just... It's fucking weird is what it is. It is weird. Um, Yeah, weird and creepy. Okay, let's end the news on – I was thinking about this over the break because – well, I'll just get into it. We're going to do a little kind of like news topper called Does This Stupid Bullshit Matter? So every week week in the news, especially during election years, there are headlines that I think we're – everybody who follows along can agree follow – fall into the category of stupid bullshit. I'm mm-hmm. talking about, like, uh, Obama's tan suit. Stupid bullshit. Melania's bullshit. Melania's dumb jacket. Stupid bullshit. She's an mm-hmm. asshole, but that was a stupid bullshit totally. news cycle. Um, the stories don't really have anything to do with policy or directly reflect the day-to-day lives of Americans or reflect, like, right. what's actually driving Congress or local and state governments or whatever. But— they're easy to understand, and everybody has an opinion on them. <laughs> and um, oftentimes, they're just some silly thing that somebody said or did to get a reaction or to get some headlines. But sometimes, I think, beyond the initial stupid bullshit, they sort of matter because they say something about the person underlying the bullshit. So without further ado, we're going to take a look at some of the stupid bullshit from the last couple weeks and reflect on whether it actually matters or if it's just fun and mean to talk about. Alyssa, I'm going to start Our girly, Lauren Boebert, Grandma of the Year 2024, (laughs) 36-year-old Grandma of the Year 2024, Lauren Boebert is is doing, uh, you know, Lauren Boebert is is sponsoring a new exhibition of Basquiat's uh, lesser-known works in in Denver. And no, she's not doing any of that. Lauren Boebert is doing things that Lauren Boebert does. And she she's Bobert-ing. She's, she's Bo-Bert-ing. just Bobert-ing. She and her ex-husband, Jason Bobert, uh, were the, are the subjects of an investigation after a physical altercation between the two on a Saturday evening at a restaurant. According to one of Bobert's aides, so take this with a grain of salt, the lawmaker had gone to her ex's house to pick up one of their sons, the Daily Beast reported. So during this visit, there was a physical interaction where Bobert pushed Jason as he attempted to hug her. Okay. Not great. No. I don't do it. Later that evening, the situation escalated. Uh, they met at a restaurant called The Miner's Claim. M-I-N-E-R, not I, M-I-N-O-R, like the person Jason Bobert allegedly showed his penis to. <laughs> the aide described Jason Bobert's behavior at the restaurant as aggressive and disrespectful. And then, according to reports, uh, Lauren Bobert like, put her hand on his face and pushed his 
face away. I've also seen a report that she hit him, but I don't want to like whatever. She, there were hand, whatever. There was hand face contact. Hand, hands were flying. <laughs> she threw hands. She set hands. She did something. Jason Bobert then called the police, saying he was a victim of domestic violence. Then Lauren Bobert called the police, saying she didn't do the domestic violence and she was willing to speak to an officer. Uh, nobody got arrested. Does this stupid bullshit matter? Okay. So first, she is like a, a living, breathing, walking Maury Povich episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but why it matters is simply because, like, she should not be allowed to have a gun. <laughs> she shouldn't be allowed to have a car. I feel like, like she would... She should not be able to operate heavy machinery, and she should not have a gun. That is why it matters for no other reason other than those two things. I, like, if I was a member of Congress or a staffer in Congress or a reporter working on the Hill, I would not necessarily feel safe working in close proximity to her. She does not seem to be— She's unhinged. She is— No impulse control. Exactly. There is something— yeah, she has no impulse control in a sort of yeah, it's 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 very weird. I mean, between the hand job story and Yes, this it's like story, again, impulse control. It's just it's just like this person shouldn't be a member of Congress. If this person were a teacher in a public school, they would be fired. Yes. You She's know? like making laws in DC. She's the yeah. worst. It's it's just real bad. I mean, come Bo on. Colorado. Come on, Colorado. I mean, th- the reason this story matters is because it helps paint a complete picture of how unfit this person is for office and how yeah. off the rails the Republican Party has gotten. But it's, I don't know, I think it's, it, like, matters a little bit. It matters a little bit because not, it shows that she's, like, got no impulse control. Yeah, which is troubling. Okay, so uh, does this stupid bullshit matter, Alyssa? Nikki Haley claimed that she has black friends, and that's why she's got bad opinions about the Civil War that are wrong. Um, while defending she she okay she was asked about the civil war she refused to say that slavery was like the main thing that caused it (laughs) Um, she defended herself when she was confronted about that by saying I had black friends growing up does this stupid does this stupid bullshit matter you know why it matters to me because I actually not like in the grand scheme of things, but like I had always personally had like some modicum of respect for her because she did take down the Confederate flag. Like she was like, you know, the Confederacy is bad. And mm-hmm. like she just undermined all of that by not being able to just be like, yeah, it was about slavery. I think she literally said in some cleanup she tried to do about this that she's a post-slavery thinker because she has black friends. And all of those things are very dumb answers. And while I think she's probably the least dumb of the Republicans who could end up president, this was a uh, girl, please. So it only it it only matters because it lowers. She she actually had done something decent, and now it's like you know fuck off. I want to see the internal GOP polling on how many people will not will abandon the party if prominent Republicans admit that slavery was the main cause of the Civil War. Like, what's the the internal polling on, like, the Confederacy and, like, how carefully do people need to tiptoe around? How many people are, like, single-issue Confederacy voters out there? Because I feel like it's a non-zero number. (laughs) (laughs) Which it—I mean, it it happened a very—I mean, look, the Civil War 
happened a really long time ago, and people that are still sore about it, I, I guess, I don't know. Stop. You guys get lost. A new, get a new cause. You, well, I think they did. And I think that cause yeah, is Donald Trump. He is he is the like haunted house in which the ghost of the Confederacy throws plates against the wall with kitchen ketchup ketchup <laughs> going down. Um, been thinking a lot about poltergeists lately. I think I think when my daughter turns like twelve, she's gonna make a poltergeist. I can just sense it. Oh yes, she will. She's going to. She's too emotional. She's a Scorpio. Like, it's just too much. Okay, You'll have to send her out to Aunt Alyssa. (laughs) I think it'd be cool to have a poltergeist if I could tame it like a— But I also think it'd be cool to have, like, a pet wolf, and I'm not going to do that. Well, it's like in Ghostbusters when there were certain ghosts that were, like, kind of came out okay and they were funny. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll try try to mold the poltergeist like it's it's the TikTok algorithm. So it's only giving me good destruction. Okay, uh, does this stupid bullshit matter? This is my favorite stupid bullshit of the week. Okay, I actually didn't understand this one at first, so please go ahead. Okay, so Myra Flores is a Republican candidate for office in Texas. She's running to represent the 34th district in Texas. She is a Mexican-American woman who loves to post on social media. She loves to post pictures of food on social media. But it turns out, as of last week, uh, actually the pictures of food that she's posting and claiming that she made are not pictures of food that she made. They are pictures she she stole. One of the the food photos she stole, she captioned, the ranch life with family is the best. And it was a picture of cornflower gorditas cooking over a wood-burning fire pit. But the photo was actually stolen from a Guyana tourism Facebook page. Not even like a Mexican tourism. That's Guyanese food, girl. That's not girl. even a diff- whole different continent, my sister in Christ. Um, in another <laughs> post, she shared a photo of eggs and tortillas and claimed she was a proud Latina who knows how to cook uh, and adding that homemade Mexican food tastes better from a gas stove, except that photo was ripped from another source and originally appeared on Facebook in 2021 by Isabel Magazine. And when confronted, she deleted one of the posts and said she didn't mean to cause confusion. But here's why I think the stupid bullshit might matter, Alyssa, not to taint your answer. But in the past, Flores criticized First Lady Jill Biden, who once made a public appearance where she was helping prepare Mexican food with voters. She said, Flores said, Democrats think that by giving us tacos, playing Latin music, that's all it's going to take for us to vote for them. It's not. So she's in the past criticized Biden for being inauthentically contributing or participating in Mexican culinary culture when she herself has been stealing photos. Does this stupid so, bullshit matter? So here, so I, so one, uh, your point about why it low key matters, yes. But here's the most basic reason. Uh, it takes me back to being young, Aaron, when my mother would say, Alyssa Mendy Mastromonaco, if you lie about the small things, why would I believe you on the big things? Yeah. Sorry, it tracks. Like, mm-hmm. you fucking lie about where your food posts on Instagram come from and I'm supposed to think that you're telling the truth when you're running for office? Like, I'm just saying, lying is lying. It's just weird. Like, lies that don't serve – like – that's just and that's you know weird. what she doesn't get is that what would actually probably make her page funny is if she was like, I'm a proud Latina who can't cook. And here's my <laughs> attempt at it. Like that would get engagement. It would be sticky content. But no, instead she's just because you know what? It's like, Aaron, when you go to someone's uh, food page, right? 
and they're cooking something and it's perfect. That's like a scroll, unless it's Ina Garten because she's perfect. But like, or Deb Perlman, Deb Perlman, Deb Perlman. But yeah. like anybody else, it's like, come on. And so anyway, I'm just like giving her some free advice. It's like, girl, start <laughs> a TikTok. Like, you're so. It, it's it's just like she's so defensive and like, well, I'm good at cooking and look at the evidence. It's like, except it turns out you're not. <laughs> you're a liar. I I think it's I think the stupid bullshit matters in this case because it is a reflection of like a deeply weird character flaw that I would not yeah, want lying in public. Yeah, lying about little things that like save up your lies, girl. Save them up. Yeah, use them for something good. Use them <laughs> to get out of a speeding ticket. You know, you Something. got your you've got your period. You've got diarrhea. I get that. That's fine. Lie about it. But See, like I have my period. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think the stupid bullshit matters. Uh, I hope she doesn't get elected. She seems like super weird. OK, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got 2024's first Sandy Petty. Mm. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Some announcements for the class. 2024 is here, and this year, turn your resolutions into actions with Vote Save America. After a much-needed break, enjoying the people and things you love, now's the time to get involved and help make the difference you want to see this election year. From down-ballot races to the fight for the White House, you have the power to bring the progressive change needed. So head to votesaveamerica.com to be the first to find out how you can take action in 2024. All right. 
Alyssa, do you have a burning question for me? You know that I am coming hot with questions. Okay, well, good, because... I'm doing an AMA on next Wednesday, the 17th. You can join me on the Friends of the Pod Discord for a round of Ask Me Anything. I'm pretty much an open book. If you just directly, I'm like, a, you know how I'm like, coming for recipes. I'm coming for recipes sure. and how you grow your hot peppers. I do nothing to them. I, I uh, neglect them. Save it them. for the Discord. Okay. All right. Fine. Live in California. That's how you grow hot peppers. Um but yeah, I'm really excited for it. It's going to be super fun. I love the Friends of the Pod Discord. It's just like a, a great community. Everyone's awesome. If you're not already a member, head to crooked.com slash friends to sign up. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who are now suddenly scared of flying. I have so much to say on this issue. <laughs> like you just like you were scared about flying after this bolts doors blowing off the sides of Boeing planes thing. Yeah. Well, because Aaron, they keep finding loose bolts. There are loose bolts everywhere. There are so many loose bolts. How is this possible? How is yeah. this something that like is happening in 2024 that planes just aren't connected? They're not put together very well. And it's Boeing planes and apparently. Boeing planes. Oh, my God. And you can't control what kind of plane you get put on. Except like you can't. No, yeah. let me tell you, Aaron, because mm. you know, as we were getting on to record today, what happened to me, you our flight a... tomorrow was canceled because it's a Boeing loose bolt plane. And now we have no idea currently how the fuck we're going to get to this wedding uh, because it's all the bolts are loose. It's really it's uh, look, there are bigger problems in the world. Of course. No, no. Planes possible. OK. America. Okay. No, 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 no. But this is a microcosm of an extremely huge problem, which is America's long-distance travel infrastructure mm. is absolute garbage, and we're doing nothing to fix it, and it's getting worse and worse every day. And look, I'm just going to say, I'm glad that you didn't get on the plane that was yes. literally the, the rickety airplane. But maybe my, my, like, Naomi Klein shock doctrine take on this is, like, maybe if planes start having pieces of them blow off, Americans will be like, we got to— we gotta have a regulate. better way. We gotta yeah. have a trains. Yes, we've gotta get a better way to like get some like medium to long distances. Like it's getting really hot. Weather's getting extreme. Like maybe we shouldn't rely on something that needs like the air to travel when the air is getting weird. And like, I, I yeah, maybe we we'll need get, a we need a better solution because now I'm trains just like, we have it it's trains we have it and you know i love a train you know there is nothing i would love more than to get on a train and for you to get on a me to get on a train in new york you to get on a train in california and us to like meet in the middle of america and just have like, i a would fun meet weekend. you in Link i would meet you in lincoln nebraska which i think is like an underrated little town it's, i would I, love that i would meet in lincoln nebraska i would meet in st louis I would meet that like the movie. I would meet in Denver. I just, but we need like trains. Anywhere. Trains. We could pretend like we're Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby. We're just there. We're shushing and we're seeing the snow and we're having cocktails. It could be so I, lovely. I just, and I'm tired of like public officials being like, okay, we're going to do trains. And then some tech bro douchebag is like, no, I invented a better way to do it. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build a hyperloop, which is never, ever going to work. And it's a thing they made up to keep people from doing the trains. And then a few years later, they're like, oh, the hyperloop's not going to work. I think that was all just like fucking smoke and mirrors. Oh, 
oh, well, and then, okay, well, let's think about doing trains. And then another tech bro shows up is like, no, 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 I got a better idea. They're all just trying to make us not build trains because they make money on trains not existing. Like, yeah. we need fucking trains. The planes are going to blow apart in the sky. It's going to blow apart. I just spit. I'm so mad about not having trains that it's spit so- flew out of my mouth. It's so awful. So anyway, yeah, I'm a little, I'm feeling a little petty, a little petty about okay. bolts on, on <laughs> loose bolts on planes. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can see, I can see that. I, I don't think that that's a petty issue at all. Um, I'm feeling a little bit petty about 2024's first, like, foray into hyperconsumption and the way that we're like talking about hyperconsumption. I want to talk about Stanley Tumblr mania. When did uh, these become a thing? I've had a Stanley Tumblr for like a hundred years. Well, actually, a Stanley. But thermos. that's what they're—that's what they're designed for. They're—you're supposed to have like one, and it, yeah. and like the whole point is the company is like we made this really durable tumbler that keeps your drink the temperature that it is, and you only need one because it doesn't get used up and it doesn't break, and that's the whole point. And people are like collecting them like they're fucking monochromatic. Beanie babies that don't even have a little poem that goes along. Very confusing. People are laminating the tags of special issue Stanley Tumblers. We are barreling headfirst into a near future when a couple that is divorcing will be in a courtroom dividing a massive pile of Stanley Tumblers, like that picture of the couple dividing the Beanie Babies from that is iconic. Yes, I kind of want to have like I kind of I kind of want. A painting of that that I can, can put I up in my house. Disclose something weird. What? Okay. So in college, in high school, I was like, actually in my whole life, I'm not someone who's ever been asked out on a lot of dates, but in 1999, I was asked out on a date. And he was like, Do you want to come back to my house? And I was like, Okay, apartment, because it's New York City. Now he had taken me to Senior Frogs, which should have been a flag, but um I got to his <laughs> apartment. That could be fun in a sort of like ironic. Well- could have been if when I got to his house, he didn't have a monster Beanie Baby collection. Oh, yeah. Aaron, so many hundreds, hundreds, shelves of Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies just positioned around the bed like a weird seance was happening with Beanie Babies. So many Beanie Babies. Oh, my God. We did not go. We did not go out again. (laughs) That is look. So let your let your freak flag fly. Whoever you know, there's there's a weirdo out there for everybody in the world, right? You know, I think it's better to be forthright with that sort of thing. But that seems like it's that would be something that would also lead me to be like, I don't think this is a match. It was. It was not. Thank God. Um, Yeah. It was not. But that was something that really set me back on my heels. I was like, I this is. I don't feel safe in this situation. I just think like the fo- the like videos I've seen of like women race walking to a new display of Stanley tumblers and like kids asking for them for Christmas so that they can fit in with all their friends. Like that, like remember starter jackets? Everybody wanted a starter yeah, jacket, and eventually it wasn't even about the jackets themselves because nobody who was really a fan of the the Charlotte Hornets. Not that many people, but everybody had a Charlotte Hornets jacket. Because that was the jacket that made you fit in with everybody. I feel like 
just this, we just never learn anything from the past. We all just choose to forget it and pretend that every new thing, we have like a little goldfish memory that's like, oh, this is a new, it's it's stupid. I'm declaring it stupid now. In a year, everyone will be like, that was stupid. No, it's currently like, stupid. didn't they say, didn't they, I saw on social media somewhere that like Stanley's not even going to make the pink ones anymore because like they caused breakouts of chaos? <sighs> that, sorry, deep sigh. That is ridiculous. We... There, you have a finite amount of life to live and a finite number of hours in the day. And mm-hmm. the fewer hours that you spend worrying about Stanley Tumblers, the more hours you have to do things like read books that you never got to read before, take nice walks in nature, or learn before a new skill. Before they get banned. <laughs> learn a new skill. I have, not, no, I have no problem with Stanley, the company. They seem to make a nice product. Yeah. I have a problem with the, like, culture around it. It's so deeply weird. And I just—there is meaning in life beyond the acquisition of a trendy water container. Yeah. I shouldn't have to say. That's a weird sentence to have to say. Uh, also, people are really mad at, like, children in Sephora. I can see both sides here. I always thought Sephora seemed a little bit like a Barbie aisle for adults. And uh, Wait, what's wrong with children in Sephora? Children, oh, my God. It's, it is, I thought, I, I heard that there are a lot of kids going to, like, Sephora using and, and kind of causing chaos. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I tried to go to Sephora to get this, like, product I had run out of. And it was over the holidays, so they weren't they weren't in school. Right. It was pure, pure, unadulterated chaos. Really? It was like, it was, ev- nobody was taller than the middle of my rib cage. Everybody was squirt, like, just aggressively squirting all the samples into their hands and rubbing. Cool. Had, like, That's a great way to get acne. <laughs> it was, it was so weird. It was like feral children that, had, like, the, the kids from, like, the basement in us you know, that, hor- yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was like ba- basement children who were just like running around like with no like m- manners, n- nothing. And, you know, people are now, you know, mad that their Sephora runs are being ruined by like kids or whatever. I, and then I've also seen talk that, that you know, actually where else are the kids supposed to go? There's no like tween culture anymore, which I think is very sad. Um, but yeah, I think that they should card people at the door of Sephora. I think you should be at least 16 years old. <laughs> If you're unaccompanied by an adult. Yes, I think if yes. you're un- I think if you're unaccompanied by an adult, you should be at least 16 years old. There's no reason for somebody under 16 to be running around to Sephora by themselves. Can, do you have money? Do you can you count that they high? I do. Uh, I think well. they have little baby debit cards. Wait, I had one thing before we uh before we wrap up. So this week, uh, someone who I have so much respect for, Sarah Seidner, got on CNN and talked about how she had been diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. I heard this 15 minutes after I had my mammogram, but one of the things that she said on her sort of disclosure of her cancer was that black women are 41% more likely to die than white women from breast cancer. And so I had my mammo. If you need your mammo, go get your mammo. Please, please, please. Everybody has to get their mammograms. Yeah, definitely a great, a great message to end on for sure. Um, well, that's all the show that we have for today. It was a bit, it was a long show, it's but we have a lot, show. we had a we lot, had a lot, to lot of ground to cover. I've got a lot of excess energy, spent a lot of time reorganizing closets and throwing things away over the holidays. And so now I need, to, I need to talk to human beings. Okay. Alyssa, thank you as always for being 
my ride or die. Thank you to Anna Eskamani for joining us and telling us a little bit about what's going on in Florida. Listeners, if you want to get in touch, hysteria at cricket.com. We love hearing from you. We love talking to you. We all read your emails and we just think you guys are the best, best in the biz, best listeners in the biz, smartest, coolest, funniest. Most interesting. Most interesting for sure. We can name a weird job and we've de- we'll have we get an email from a listener that's like, yes, I too build sustainable housing underwater. And it's like, oh, okay. Great. We'll, we'll be did- coming back to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. Subscribe to Hysteria on YouTube for access to video versions of your favorite segments and other exclusive content. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a nice review. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. We get audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okolate, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. 